0: You
1: know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all the time. Ooh, that, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to first and Foxborough, ladies and gentlemen. Foxborough football fans, it is yet another episode of First in Foxborough. If you have not gotten tired of hearing my voice yet, uh, thank you very much for joining me once again. And you know what? Look, before we get started, obviously you want to download, listen, subscribe, check out this podcast on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. Follow me at Katie Thompson Five and follow the show at First in Foxborough F O X B O R O. Look. We heard, you know, from Bill Belichick this week that you know he's he's not a doctor. Uh, he uh, doesn't know how to read an MRI. He doesn't know anything about the extent and severity of Mac Jones's injury, even though he's determined, bound and determined, not to rule him out this week. And we have no idea what's going on. But as it turns out, we do have a doctor on the show today, and that would be my guy, Dr. Mason West, physical therapist. Out in Chicago. We are, you know, kind of a fellow commiserating Chicagoans, Chicago Bears fans. So the suffering makes you stronger. Um, and I got a chance to also meet with Mason out at the NFL Combine, which is a really cool experience. This is the first time I've seen your face since then. How you doing, my man?
0: You know, that's so true. I just realized that we literally haven't seen each other since the Combine. That's so nuts. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, like you said, as a Chicagoan, you deal with a lot of negativity, whether it's the Bears, whether it's the Bulls, whether it's the weather immediately <laughs> changing to essentially winter here. Oh, uh, I'm God. sure, you know, being in New England area, you know, that's about too. But it's it's always a struggle to, you know, put on that brave face. We find
1: a way to do it. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? It's interesting because it was yesterday might have been the last 70 degree day that we'll have or, or rather a uh, Tuesday might have been the last 70 degree day we'll have for a minute and that was that was very saddening not gonna lie not that it was bad today you know or, or you know that's gonna be bad in the next couple of days it was nice but uh, yeah the clutches of winter are are upon us and and speaking of what I mentioned the combine right because that was the first time we met in person right we mm-hmm. interacted like online and, and whatnot and I just remember it was it was four of us sitting around the table I, I tell this story all the time. The four of us sitting around the table, us, Brad Spielberger, and Jack Sobel, when Tyquan Thornton runs his 4-2-whatever, and yep. the whole place blows up, and, and and Tyquan's entourage was sitting right behind us. Like I feel like that's going to be one of my enduring memories of going to the NFL Combine. And you were involved. Look at that.
0: Just the one guy like going immediately getting on the phone talking to somebody and just yelling you know pay me my money like right away. like that was so awesome to be around that to be a part of it that's where my on thornton love affair really started you know just seeing that and doing a lot more research on him hoping that you know the bears could snag him and then you know bill belichick does bill belichick things and takes him way earlier than anyone expected <laughs> yeah. uh and you know obviously he's got his own collection of injury stuff and i have him on pretty much every dynasty fantasy team I have right now too. So I, I'm hoping he gets better quick.
1: Well I'll tell you what, man, when he does return, I'm not convinced that he's not just gonna come back in and, and be like wide receiver four. I mean he's he's gonna look he's he's gonna have some uh you know ground to make up obviously but I think the way that he was blocking like in the run game, I think that really endeared him to the coaching staff. And also I mean that brother just—he can run. He catches everything. I mean, that's the most important thing for a wide receiver. He catches literally everything. Yeah. But oh boy, it is fun watching somebody be hilariously fast. And I mean, let us let's, let's talk about the the current Patriots situation right now because because Taekwon Thornton's injury thing that that'll come down the line. I mean, we might see him in November at some point once he comes off of IR. But right now we have a different. Issue, and that would be quarterback Mac Jones, damn near getting his ankle torn off in in last Sunday's game against the Baltimore Ravens. I'd asked you, a, a, you know, off air if you had seen the injury, seen the play where it happened. You said you had. What was your take upon seeing what happened to him, and then when you heard later on that it was what you would call a pretty severe high ankle sprain?
0: Yeah. My first thought when I saw that was, oh, dang, that's a high ankle sprain. (laughs) First of all, uh, you could tell relatively quickly with what was going down. I mean, it was kind of a bang bang play. Uh, The video in the broadcast you did, there was a lot of bodies in the area, but you could see that, you know, he got tackled from that left side, all of his body weight shifted to the right. And really the ankle collapsed where that medial or inner side bent inwards towards the ground, right? Basically the outer part of the foot is coming up to touch the outer part of the leg there. And, I mean that that's just classic high ankle because you get a sprain of that deltoid ligament you get a sprain of that syndesmosis between the tibia and fibula those lower leg bones and, and that one's the worst one just because those are also very hefty hardy ligaments so like when you get any derangement of those or essentially if you get any damage to those it takes that's a lot of force you needed a ton to get that to happen versus like your lateral ankle sprain right that's your anterior telefibular ligament your atfl you get that all the time. You're playing basketball. You're playing soccer. You get that little ankle roll, and, you know, everyone just, you kind of hop, and, like, ooh, that sucks, but normally you tie your shoes a little tighter, put the rest of my ice on it, do some work on it, and you're okay. This is not that. And, you know, that's why you fall into that severe category because of not just how it happened, but also the kind of weight that was put by the defensive player hitting him.
1: Yeah, because that was Calais Campbell. That's six eight. 300 plus pounds like that is Mm. that's absolutely not a small man that is a powerful dude and that was a lot that was a lot of force going straight downward right right onto the ankle really like i think that that was that was the key and then obviously he gets up and he is in all kinds of pain and it just looked it, it, it it looked it looked bad right away and so when when you hear pretty severe right so uh People are vaguely familiar, perhaps, with you know, kind of the four grades of sprain, right? Sure. Going from, from one to four, with four being the most severe. When you hear pretty severe, what does that say to you?
0: So I'm knocking one and two off right away. Uh, one and two is off the table for me, just because you're not going to even consider that. Um, so really, the layman definition of a three is a partial tear, if you say a grade three sprain. So that means, right, those fibers that are connecting between the tibia and the fibula, holding them together but not letting them push outwards, that enough of them, usually about 50% at least or so, are now not connected. Uh, if you're going to grade four, you're saying you're closer to that 100%. Now, not all the way up, because, right, you I mean, your tibia and your fibula are pretty long, but there's a good number where now you just don't have that connection control there whatsoever. Uh, the way you can really think about it is imagine if you had, you know, a log, and you were going to just put it straight down onto like a dull ax. Like that's really the setup you have between your tibia and your fibula and then your talus, which is that ankle bone that has to roll Mm -hmm. back and forth for you to bend it. And we have that high ankle sprain. It gets shoved straight up between those two. That's when you get that tearing effect. So you have a, That's really the only thing holding that fibula in place. It's a pretty loose bone, wiggly, goes all over the place. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have that, like you don't have the muscular control, there's not necessarily a set of muscles that holds in that in that position. You don't really, you have little to no stability there when you in that severe range that you're talking about.
1: That sounds ugly, and and you know what, like. I've I've seen people right like, oh well, you know, why would you need surgery for, for a sprain? Because I think people were talking about it in terms of what you were saying, like, oh yeah, he just rolled his ankle or something like that. Just just walk it off. But I think the important thing that that you know, I, I said, and you actually commented on this and, and provided a bit more detail, mm-hmm. right? Is that when you talking when you're talking about sprains, you gotta think about what that means, which is that in this case. There are torn ligaments, right? And no, no one's asking you to walk off a torn ACL. You no, know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's different, different parts of the body, different functions, and and I mean, obviously, potentially varying degrees of tear. But still, like that, that's how I'm thinking of it. Like you wouldn't ask somebody to to walk off a torn knee ligament,
0: right? Exactly, and because, like you said, people think about it like, oh yeah, I was going down my stairs, I stepped weird, you know, and then I went on my run later that day this is entirely different. You know, most people aren't experiencing something like this. It, it does have a different intensity to it. And just again, picture, picture that picture, those two bones, not being held, being held together and just constantly having every single time you take a step, gravity, pulling down on you, that other bone, that tail shoving straight up and down over and over and over. I mean, that's, it's awful. It's just not your run of the mill sprain and people just use that and you're, Oh, it's a sprain versus it's a tear. No. All, all all tears are sprains and all sprains are tears. It just depends on the severity of them.
1: And you know, with with that in mind, so we've been we've been hearing kind of the gamesmanship of, oh yeah, well Mac Jones behind the scenes, he's at the facility, he's taking part in the game planning, and uh, you know he's telling people not to count him out for this game, or uh, you know they're making two different game plans, one for Mac Jones, you know, one for Brian Hoyer, like really keeping open this. Uh, you know, possibility that he could play, but then Mike Giardi of NFL Media comes out with a tweet that's a you know, from from you know he said from a Patriots player that said, "Look, you know, we love Mac, we love the toughness. He's he's great, but he's hurting pretty good right now. Let's be smart about this. Basically, basically, look, I I don't think he's going to play. In your opinion, in your professional opinion, what?" is the chance that he could even possibly be functional. And and just generally, what about his, his play from a football standpoint is going to be compromised by this injury as we sit here less than a week out from the injury? Functional? 5% chance? I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's... <laughs>
0: maybe if you just like load it up with all the stuff you're not supposed to talk about NFL players doing uh, to get in, be able to play in games, shoving all that right into your ankle, maybe you could just go grit and bear through it and do the best you can tons of tape and bracing and all that crazy stuff. But you're looking at a, like you said, functionality for the game and you're also looking at long-term ramifications. So functionality for the game, you know, that was his left ankle that, that was injured. So when you think about that, that's that lead foot. You know, he has to transfer that weight for it every single time he throws. Like he could probably get maybe something in like the short game, but there wouldn't be a velocity on the ball. And he definitely wouldn't have a long ball. He just wouldn't have that. And then let's not pretend Mac Jones is necessarily the most fleet of foot. I mean, we've seen him do the gritty and it's not exactly the prettiest thing in the world. But, you know, he would have very, he would have little to no mobility. I mean, the connecting to the bears. I mean, this is kind of a sore subject, but think back to Jay Cutler when he yeah. had that, you know, that knee injury he couldn't move around he had to remove himself from the game um you just can't get the ball out there now that's that's not just that's a short term long term if you keep going not only are you causing more damage to that syndesmosis that was originally hurt you're also putting extra stress on other areas now all of a sudden you're at risk of tearing other ligaments in the ankle at that atfl you're at risk of having a bone fracture within the foot because you're not able to absorb force appropriately you're at risk of a ACL tear a hip issue there's just it just goes on and on so I get it Mac's a gamer he wants to be out there but like the, the, you were saying this is more gamesmanship hey yes Mac Jones is going to be available don't get freaked you know don't get freaked out you know Patriots Nation and also hey don't be not worried that Brian Hoyer is going to be coming after you in that game it's man if Mac Jones played it would be a straight-up
1: miracle and not necessarily a, a good one you know what I mean? Like, like I, I keep saying this, um, and it's kind of confirmed by what you're saying. I don't see a scenario where Mac Jones playing on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers is good for Mac Jones or good for the Patriots. And I haven't heard a single thing that you just said that moves me off that opinion.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's whether it's again, it's, it's this game long term. If you're the Patriots, you're playing for Mac, hopefully being your QB for a good chunk of time this game against the Packers and let's be real a good number of ones afterwards aren't worth it. There's not.
1: Yeah. And, and in particular, right, you're talking about a situation where they're one and two right now. I mean, all's not lost Um particularly because I think there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of teams that are just kind of in, I mean, with so few games they're all in that one and two two and one range like there aren't a lot of undefeated teams so it's like you're 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 in it right now and even if you fall to one and three you were one and three last year and you basically went through the middle part of the schedule you scooped up a bunch of wins and then i mean things got worse at the end but i feel like that's a lot of what it's looking like right now that if you get past this packers game then you get the lions and then you get the browns minus deshaun watson you get the Bears, right? And then you get the Jets at some point. Like, those are all very winnable games. Why sacrifice that by throwing Mac Jones in there on one leg? And and, and so it's like kind of like protect him from himself. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's exactly what it is. Um, and he's, I think Mac has something to prove. You know, at least I think he feels that he does uh, just in terms of where he was drafted compared to a lot of, you know, the other quarterbacks in terms of throughout the entire draft process. And I was one of them. I, I didn't want Mac Jones on the bears and he, for a little while, it looks like that might've been the situation that he would be the one available. You know, I just wanted high ceiling to be honest, Justin Fields was my QB one. Um, uh, when I was ranking guys for that, in that pre-draft process, um, with having Lawrence number two and then so on and so forth. But, He's so he's got that chip on his shoulder, and he's always been kind of looked at that way. I mean, he's always looked at, oh, look at the Tom Brady esque body, huh? you know, the combine picture that Tom yeah. pretends doesn't exist anymore. So I don't blame him for wanting to be out there, but like, like you said, you got uh, there's there's more ahead of you than than this game.
1: And I mean, so so this this is kind of a, a you know maybe off the wall kind of question, right? But I mean, we we talk every once in a while. You you hear. Things from, uh, you know, players around the way, you know, ones that, you know, you work with directly or people that you know, um, you know, that, that do physical therapy work. When it comes to, I guess, what, like, what do you hear ever about the Patriots organization and how they, you know, handle players, you know, in, in situations like these, If the, if you've ever heard anything like that?
0: I've heard more good things than bad, honestly. I mean, there are some badly run organizations when it comes to injury management, when it comes to putting players' health first. Uh, and the Patriots don't really come up in, in that conversation. They definitely treat them, they don't treat them as much as just gears and machine. Now, that, that's there's a little bit of difference in terms of just cut cutting them from the team because, hey, we don't need you anymore. Like, that's a different conversation of how Belichick runs that. But, you know, they, they respect their players as still human beings, and they still want the best for them. Uh, and they're going to usually do what is best for the player, and even if it might hurt the team in the short run.
1: So that would seem to suggest that Mac Jones is probably not suiting up on Sunday. Uh, It's like whatever, whatever they might be saying that that it it sounds like Mac Jones will will probably miss this week. Though I'm not gonna lie, I feel like the way that they are talking this up, I I would be still a bit eyebrow raising. But now for some reason I'm I'm not taking Detroit at home off the table now for a possible Mac Jones return. With that, like is would two weeks even be enough? For him to heal to, to an even decent enough degree to do this? Or do you think it's got to be longer?
0: It's got to be longer. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're, if you're talking just rehab versus surgery, you're talking two different timelines. But even if you just go the rehab line, it it to be functional, it should be longer.
1: And so with that in mind, so, so you brought up rehab. I mean, that could be... Anywhere from I don't know two, four, six weeks. What 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 have you? I've seen varying timelines for this. But then there's also the possibility of surgery that has mm-hmm. been tossed around, and in particular this this uh, tightrope surgery that has been is kind of maybe not made you know, only done over at Alabama, but it was kind of made famous a couple of years back because Tua got it, Jalen Hurts got it, and they came back in four weeks and they were like right back on the football field. And another former Patriot, Nikhil Harry, who was just traded from the Patriots to the Chicago Bears, had a high ankle sprain of his own during preseason and got this surgery, though he's still on injured reserve. He hasn't come back. So if you could give the listeners an idea of what this, Kind of tightrope surgery entails, and I guess what it would mean it like just just hypothetically, if Mac Jones were to go that route and just just get it, be done with it, could he be back in a month? So traditionally,
0: uh, that surgery to fix the high ankle sprain is done with a couple of screws. Throw the screws in there, lock it up solid, rehab, etc. Uh, the problem with that, as a, as I mentioned earlier, is that the tibia fibula that whole relationship is very flexible and then the screws make it very solid overly. So, so now you have all this compensation happening, things like that. So they've plus you need a second surgery normally to remove the screws just because it's not comfortable and it causes some problems online. So they've moved more. So like you said, and Alabama's kind of made this a much bigger thing than it used to be, um, the site surgery, what they do is they take this very flexible material and they put that in between, uh, the tibia and the fibula to create that stability that that I've been talking about, but as it heals, you maintain that flexibility that you need within those two bones. So what that does is it doesn't really shorten the rehab process between those two different surgery types. However, what it does do is you can usually start rehabbing sooner and more aggressively and that, and therefore you come back stronger and you have less issues down the road after you've completed your rehabilitation.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, by by all accounts, I've I've only heard good things about it. At the same time, the, the timelines can vary. I mean, they can vary with any surgery, right? Because I think people are just like, oh yeah, he gets the surgery, he'll be back in a month, right? Well, I mean, this, it, I mean, it could be four weeks, it could be eight weeks, and it and it really all depends, right? On how each individual person responds and, and same with rehab right I mean even if Mac Jones were to get a surgery on his ankle, it still depends on how he individually progresses. And then of course there's the there's the thing that people tend to skip over, right oh yeah, maybe he's healed in a certain amount of time, but is he football ready in that same time frame? So when just just hypothetically if you could put the doctor hat on here if you, if Mac Jones were to go rehab versus tightrope surgery, what do you think the difference could be in terms of timeline based on other examples that have been out there? Yeah.
0: Rehab-wise, I would think four or five weeks is what he'd be rehabbing at. He would come back probably less functional than Patriots fans would want. There would be... Like I said, less zing on the ball. Still, there still be some pain, things of that nature. If you go the tightrope route, you're looking at more six to eight weeks, maybe closer to six. Um, eight is going to be more like, like Nikhil Harry. You brought him up. I'm thinking he's in that seven eight week range, just because with the receiver, you know, the, with how you have to be the the routes you have to run, the yeah. amount of force you got to put down. I mean, you, it just needs to be a lot more solid. Um, for him, it's probably closer to that six seven week mark in terms of coming back from the surgery. So now, yes, you're you're losing two weeks. Of having Mac Jones, but you're going to come back better from that than you would if you just went the rehab route with the severity that he happens to have. Now, you're talking about these different timelines. You know, Tua is a good example because Tua came back really fast, but you have to remember Tua hurt himself in the first quarter, got that high angle frame, kept playing, so he was able to. You know the severity of that. I wouldn't think is much lesser. Mac Jones had be carried off the damn field. <laughs> There's that video of him going down he, the stairs, being he, held he, by he couldn't,
1: he could not get off. He could not put a single bit of weight on that leg. And then, yes, they're mm-hmm. literally carrying him. Yes,
0: compared to Tua, who had played three more quarters until he hurt the other ankle, and that's actually what knocked him out of the game entirely. So yes, he Tua did have the tightrope surgery, but there was much less damage one would imagine based off that reaction in that situation than with what Mac has. So, with that being said, like a, the tightrope is going to be a little longer, but ultimately, much more efficient, better performance, and also less chance of a re-injury or something else funky happening compared to if you just straight rehabbed it.
1: And see, this is this is the the part where it's got to be difficult for a professional football player, right? Because your best ability, uh, your best ability is availability. And it, it, you're talking about Mac Jones having something to prove, right? The the shadow of Tom Brady still like lingers over this franchise. And then and then you talk about and Brady really only had the one season that that he missed any significant time due to injury. That was the one where he tore his ACL in the first game. And then the rest of the time, uh, suspensions, you know, or whatever, right? But the rest <laughs> of the time that, that dude was out there playing, he's still playing, right? But yeah. then you're talking about also the fact that he's a second-year quarterback who's got to be hearing the, the stuff that, that people are saying about him. He feels pressure to to carry this team at the same time. Do you come back as a lesser version of yourself, or do you take the longer road and hope they stay afloat, and then you come back and you're ready to hit the ground running? That has got to be a really difficult choice for for him, for other football players, I, I I feel like probably the the route he would choose is to get back faster in your experience working with other players. Is that typically what it is like? Is it hard to convince them like, hey, look, I know you don't want to do this route, but it might be better for you and you will be better on the other side.
0: That's what so much of it is, and it doesn't matter if you're working with an athlete or if you're working with, you know, your the grandma that wants to get back to gardening. Is convincing them this is ultimately the best thing for you, and this is the best thing long term for you, uh, because you're because every time they're missing a game, right? So especially maybe you're talking about one of those just like 53rd man roster guys. That's you know they're missing some paycheck right at that moment. Now, yes, there's stuff that's covered, it's essentially a workers' comp case, but it's it's not the same. Now, all of a sudden, you're potentially losing a roster spot if you're out too long. You know, you're having that kind of conversation. And then let's not forget, we're in a different age now of things like social media and the pressures that are going on. Yeah, Those guys listen to it. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories yeah. where professional athlete you know in the clinic is like literally on phone <laughs> scrolling through Twitter or scrolling through Instagram. And they're like, yeah. hey, dude, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah. And they show you the, the, the random T- like mentioned by joe schmo out in green bay wisconsin saying whatever about you know the player and they they're humans too and they hear that noise so that gets in your head no matter how strong you are and they're going to push come back. so it's up to both the you know rehabilitation staff the training staff the coaches the gm you know everyone involved to protect that player at all costs because a lot of times it's also subjective like hey go run that route oh did that hurt you no it didn't hurt but like people lie, right? People are, they want to get back out there. So you got to be conscientious of the little signs.
1: Yeah. And, and, and for you, like, like if, if we could kind of delve deeper into that, right. Just kind of your everyday when, when you're, when you're working with athletes or just, just you know, normal people who are doing you know, physical therapy, like when, you know, they've had an injury like this or another kind of serious injury, like what are, You talk about little signs. What kinds of things are you looking for where it's like, okay, somebody might say something. Oh, yeah, I feel fine. Like it's good. It's getting better. But what kind of little signs can you see that are like that can confirm, Okay, yeah, it's it is it does look like it's getting better. You're able to do more or I don't know. That's still not really what I want to see. Like what what do you see in your line of work every day?
0: So there's little things and there's big things um you have a very keen eye as people walk in your door because it's this weird thing where they think so my clinic has like these glass doors that lead out into the parking lot so you literally see people walking in and it's almost like they think they're invisible right before they walk in the door because you know you see them kind of limp in and they're just like pulling that leg along or something of that nature and then they walk through the door and all of a sudden it's like it's fixed you know they've crossed the threshold and they've been healed and you ask them like oh how are you feeling today oh really good i feel great you know and they go through that whole thing so You watch for things like that when you turn around, when they're going to go grab water, you know, there's, you see the compensation patterns, but then there's also the big things that you can't really cheat or hide. So for example, I use this uh, for lower extremity issues. I use this thing called Dorsa V, which is a wearable device that you put them through a bunch of things, uh, single leg squats, jumps, plank, uh, things of that nature. And what it does, it gives you objective measurements on uh, velocity of how quickly the knee is moving, the angulation of it. And those numbers don't lie. So if that knee, let's say it's an ACL case and it moves into valgus or that knee dropping inwardly yep. into that kind of knee mm-hmm. buckle position, yep. and it moves at over 120 meters per second. And during their jump, they're at a higher chance of either tearing or re-tearing that ACL than if they're underneath that hundred meters per second on the non-injured side. so no matter what they do, they're not going to hide that from from the practitioner. So you want to use those kinds of testing. And that's the really good return to sport stuff that number should be the same as the other side at, at least 90%. Yeah.
1: And and, and ex- what, what you brought up there, and you hinted at earlier, right, is that when you are injured and you're trying to come back too early or, or you're, you're putting too much on um, your non-injured side, well, then you're at risk of over overcompensating and then hurting yourself there or hurting yourself in other places. And I think that's what... Kind of trips people up right is that is that the body is an entire system okay yes. so yeah one part of you might be messed up and it's going to affect everything else around you like for example i mean i actually texted you about this when it happened you're talking to, you're talking about you know uh, somebody dragging their leg along man i pulled that hammy probably what a month and a half ago or something like that that was me i was walking around in the gillette stadium parking lot the next day to training camp dragging that leg. Like, Oh, I I was trying so hard not to show it, but it was difficult. Right. But, but then it's like, it's not just the hamstring. Then my ankle started bothering me. My Mm -hmm. hip was bothering me. I, I only now, like now, as I think about it, I don't, I don't feel any differently. Everything's back to normal, but that took a while and I'm not a professional athlete. So, so it's like, you, you gotta be conscious of that stuff when, when you are a professional athlete, because, you're putting so much force on like every part of your body. That that's honestly what trips me out. Is that sometimes when I see like when I saw the Sterling Shepard injury, even, Ooh, yeah. I, I'm I'm just like, I'm I'm surprised almost that people don't get like professional athletes don't get hurt more because they're they're putting far more strain on their body just by doing the most mundane things than any of us do.
0: And that's why when you hear the term, this gets thrown out there a lot, of injury prevention. That is a crock. If someone is saying that they can prevent injuries, they have a program to do that, they're lying to you and they're stealing your money. Uh, I like, I will say injury reduction. Mm. That, you know, you can prepare to reduce the chances of that. Because like you said, we see that on a daily, weekly basis when it comes to these players, these athletes, where they, the, their job is to have their body in tip-top shape, yet they still have these things happen right? They're, a lot of these players look like Greek gods in terms of their muscle mass, their diets are on point, their sleeping is on point, you know, all of those kinds of things, yet they still happen to get a hamstring strain. They still happen to get, you know, a rotator cuff tear. And if those people can have that happen, then, you know, imagine what's true for everyday individuals. So yeah, it's, it's this huge balancing act. And another example for Mac, I mean, wasn't it week one, week two, he had back spasms. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you or you have that, you have what you get is called fatty infiltrates that go into the multifi which stabilize your low back. Now that doesn't fix right away. That takes a couple of weeks of strengthening and getting that back. Now you throw this ankle thing on top of that. We are walking and your hips are all over the place and crazy. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're at a chance for having a back issue. So, you know, it's not just ankle. It's not just Packers. It's well, what do you, what's going to look like four or five, six, seven weeks down the road for you.
1: That's actually something I hadn't considered. I mean, so, I mean, the back spasms may have come from the fact that he got high load and just got absolutely walloped.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I mean, apparently, he has, we haven't heard anything about that since then. But you, that's not to say that it, it absolutely hasn't happened. And so maybe that that's another thing. It's like, look, if you sit out, give yourself some time to heal all around, and then maybe you come back better from that. I want to transition a little bit more into just, just kind of like football, period. Because we've been talking about this Mac Jones thing, and you brought up Justin Fields. I have been, I feel like, waging a war on multiple fronts with, with people. We know people that I just know and interact with out here in Foxborough about this rush to proclaim whether a second-year quarterback is the guy or not the guy after three games into their second season. And it's, it's honestly driving me crazy. I have to like kind of, you know, disconnect a little bit because as as a scientist, it is I, – yeah, I get it. I, I see what's happening, okay? I know that Mac Jones has thrown five interceptions. I've seen every last one of them. I've mm-hmm. seen the interceptions that y'all didn't see because I was at training camp. Right. And, and I, and, and just all, I've, I've seen how this has been going for, for, for months on end. Now, like I know all this, I know what he looks like. I've seen the interceptions Justin's fields has thrown and some of the, the, the plays that he's missed and, and and all of that. I've also seen Trevor Lawrence look really good. I am aware of all of these things, but it is killing me that we are on this mission to be like, okay, well, that's it. That game proves it. Or you know what? Like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll wait till the end of the year. But uh, as of right now, uh, this, this is, this is my opinion. It's going to take a lot to move me off it. It's like, there's so much more data that has to be gleaned. When you look at, you know, on, on your side of things, like Justin Fields. And then I, I look at Mac Jones, who honestly, like, yeah, he he's had some rough plays, but he hasn't been nearly as bad as I think people think he's been somehow What is your mindset when it comes to whether these guys are going to pan out or not? And how long do we need to give them before we actually make that determination?
0: My minimum is three years uh, when it comes to most football players, especially quarterbacks. But even that can change based on situation, right? I mean, look at Mac Jones. He had, I thought, the perfect landing spot. He went to a place that had a winning culture. He went to a place that Bill Belichick and McDaniels were willing to change the offense and adjust it based on what Mac Jones needed it to be at any given time and what he could handle. You know, you saw that offense last year evolve. the week one Mm -hmm. offense was not the same right as week 13 and 14 because Mac could handle more as that time went on. Now you change things. You change who the receivers are. You change who you don't have McDaniels there anymore. You know, well, obviously, the Raiders are not, not doing great, and he he's not a great head coach, it seems like, potentially. But at least in terms of an offensive mind, I mean, he's one, in my opinion, one of the best ones out there. So when you have those cha- – and you, then you replace him, by the way, with with Patricia and with uh, – was it Judge? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, he's the, the, the quarterback's coach. I mean, he's kind awful. of like a shadow figure now.
0: <laughs> awful. I don't – awful. Like, that is not helping him whatsoever. And then you switch over to the Justin Fields part of it, right? I mean, he came in with Matt Nagy and with his mobile, no weapons. Cole Komet hasn't done anything. Alan Robinson walked half the time or was injured, right? Then you had Darnell, Moody, Darnell Mooney, who had some, some games. Then you had an offensive line that was patchwork. Jason Peters, who was on a boat when they called him to help out at tackle. Like, <laughs> that situation was awful. And I will die on this hill. The rookie year for Justin Fields was a waste. It essentially was kind of learning how to just be in an NFL facility, maybe how to pick up some cadences and stuff, but the rest of it is just, it wasn't there. Uh, Obviously, yes. And then the contrast that with people being like, well, look at Lawrence. I mean, he had Urban Meyer who basically torpedoed him and this, that, and the other. Yeah, but, you know, and not every situation is the same, right? They definitely did a lot more surround Trevor Lawrence with some good stuff this year. He is taking off a bit, uh, but... He also didn't look. He's had flashes, but mm-hmm. last year, but he he's not been consistent yet. None, none, none of them have been consistent yet. So, can we have a, some a degree of consistency? Can we wait a little bit? Do we need the instant gratification? And to, do we have to label someone right away? I mean, there's a reason that first round picks have you know the option the optional years that they have because yeah. you need time to see what you have. And I'm not willing to close the book on. Any of these young quarterbacks, the only one I'm close to maybe is Zach Wilson. I just think he sucks. But that, but I'm that. <laughs> speaking of like having a having a bad mentality, that's probably the perfect example of it. Because I just was not impressed with him at BYU by BYU. But that's a whole.
1: Well, other me, well, me either. But you know, the interesting thing about that, I was not remotely impressed with him. Like, yeah, he could he could you know sling it and you know sling it from every platform. And you hear good things about like, oh yeah, he sees things you know like like a like a you know processing quarterback should. But then he just does dumb stuff. Like I literally saw that guy throw four interceptions in a game. Right. Um, but but you know what? I'll say this too. I kind of thought the same things about Josh Allen, though I think mm. that I I mean, I, I remember thinking Josh Allen could not get it done in the NFL. I watched so much of his college film when I was at stats. Um, And I remember laughing when he was like missed a target at the Senior Bowl, just straight threw it over the nets. So I was like, "Oh my god, you think this guy is going to be good?" And then I remember seeing him his second year at the, at the end of his second year, he had kind of a roller coaster year. And he comes into Foxborough, and yeah, there were some missed throws, but he he just looked like a different player. And I was like, you know what? I think I was wrong. And and I think basically from that point on, I was like. You know what? Even Zach Wilson, I, I hated Zach Wilson as the number two overall pick. I truly, truly did. I still don't like it. I don't know what I, what to expect from him, but even him, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see what it is. As you mentioned, going into, with year three for two reasons. Number one, I think I think year three is becoming the year that everybody thinks year two is. I mm, mean, yeah. you look at Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Hurts. Like these guys are are starting to, to show out in year three now. And I mean, it's not not that you you can't get better in year two as well, but that's the year that I think teams are like, you know what? Now we're going to go in. Now's the year. Josh Allen's another example. Now we're going to invest, right? Because we know this is the dude now and we feel good about him. We're going to go in and we're going to see how it's going. You see them start to take off in their play. And and so I I think that in it's set up for both the Patriots and the Bears to do this. I mean, the, the Bears have an insane amount of cap space. The Patriots are next. They're next on the list. They got like almost $60 million in cap space as, as of this moment. And I could see them shedding more salary, uh, you know, potentially and, and revamping a little bit. And then you're going to get Tyquan Thornton back and, and we'll see how this goes. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much not of that mind that, Oh, if it's bad after year two, it's done. Move on. And then on top of that, people talk about you're wasting the rookie deal. Like you mentioned, the rookie deal is five years. It's like that fifth year option is cheap compared to what it is to pay a dude. Take the fifth year option. That still counts.
0: And even look at the teams who are taking, as you say, advantage of the of the rookie deal. Take the Chargers. What are the Chargers? They're just falling apart with injuries they're not any closer this year right now how it's set up than they mm-hmm. were last year they have the rookie deal right but they're what are they doing they they're they have a broken receiver their gold amazing tackle is now hurt herbert's got a cracked cartilage it's not all that it's made yeah. out to be yeah right and you look at a lot of these teams that do win it all it's not always i mean how many of them are winning it with a rookie on their rookie deal it doesn't happen that consistently
1: yeah and and you know what it's it's this idea that like okay we've seen other teams do it so that's exact like that's exactly how it's going to be and look i i support it right take advantage of quarterbacks when they're cheap and obviously there's this idea that hey if if you are going to commit to mac jones you might have to pay him 35 to 40 million dollars the way that the, the salary cap keeps going up you know what i mean yeah and if he is actually more than just kind of uh Slightly better, Andy Dalton, or something like that. It's like you're you're gonna have to pay for that, okay? You, you you had to pay for Kyler Murray, and he hasn't won anything yet. I mean, this is the going rate, right? Speaking of which, slight digression. I can't wait to see what Lamar is gonna get paid when his ass wins MVP this oh year. Oh my
0: god. Okay,
1: okay. Look, I I watched him play live for the first time, and I mean, yeah, he threw an interception, and not everything looked pretty, but some of the things he did, I'm just like. There are things that he does that the elite corner, it's like that any, but any quarterback can do. Then there are things that he does that only the most elite of quarterbacks can do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the shit only he can do, where I'm just like, <laughs> what even is this? Like, there are three dudes on him. He's, it's like he disappeared under a pile of bodies and then pops out and runs for a first down. Like, oh, please well and the way he absorbs
0: contact and hits it's an art form like he can get hit by a a nose tackle but somehow it's like he was still laid with pillows down onto the ground (laughs) he knows how to not only still get some extra yards out of things but then but to not get destroyed talking about justin fields who has no idea how to slide or how to like be prevent those big hits and that's that's super important. That was something that people worried about, right? He does have a slight frame. He does have to get a lot of yards on the ground, but he's been able to preserve himself, and he's made himself into a good passer. The Ravens are going to be pissed when they have to shell out that checkbook because this is a Lamar revenge season, and he is taking no prisoners, and he's, he's my MVP pick right now, and unless something crazy happens, especially with the cast he has. He, let's not pretend like he's got amazing things no. around him. Like he is making a lot out of nothing. Like man, that man is something special.
1: And and I mean saw again saw it firsthand. There were just several plays that the Patriots they had it defended. I mean it was uh it it, it was locked up, and he just floats it up. Or I mean the touchdown he th- had in the back of the end zone to like Devin Duvernay, where it's just like, oh my god, are you serious? are you for real and and then and then again just like floating it like with, with free rushers coming through they scheme to just let free rushers come at him sometimes like okay look we they, they got too many for us to block okay that's fine just take care of the people inside the outside ones lamar's got those guys it's cool who cool. who else
0: it's like he's moving in slow motion right it's just this little it's just effortless, this little sidestep spin, wiggle. All right, let's just dump it off here now. It's it's impre- to say it's impressive is an understatement.
1: And and you know what though, it, it, it brings me back to something. I talked to Deontay Lee from The Athletic about Mac Jones specifically, right? Lamar Jackson is a guy who has found out how to just make things work his his own way, to find out how to how to play football on his terms. It doesn't have to look like Tom Brady. Or Justin Herbert or anybody else, it can look like Lamar Jackson. And Deontay said basically, like at one point, he Mac Jones needs to find out what a downfield throw looks like for him. Hmm. And that really stuck with me because I feel like people look at Mac Jones like, oh yeah, he's a throwback quarterback. Like he's he's gotta look like every other you know throwback quarterback that's ever been. Or like, well, Justin Fields has to look exactly like Lamar Jackson because he's the closest person that we can think of to put him in this box. Right. But the reality is that none of these guys are exactly the same. The ball doesn't come out of their hands the same. They don't move in the pocket the same. They have to find their way of making it work. And I feel like that is what is really difficult for football evaluators, people that, that watch, is that they're, they're just like, well, why isn't he doing what this person is doing? Because that's the closest comparison. And, and it's like, that, that's not it to me. Well, how do you
0: grade out what hasn't been before, right? I mean, that's grading itself is saying, well, we're comparing you essentially to this standard. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, football or you're talking about school. This is what I expect this to be. How close can you get to that? And when you see individuals try to put, take these players and shove them in boxes like you're talking about, you know, hey, you need to be a pocket quarterback now. You need to be. We need to change your mechanics on your throw, and, th- and that goes across the board. That's players not being true to th- themselves, and then that player loses who they are, that sense of self, and things. Have, now all of a sudden they're like, well, how do I play? This I've been playing this game since I was, you know, five years old. You're telling me now to do it differently, and like you're saying for Mac and that long ball, he throws a long ball way better than I thought. You know, coming out, I thought it was going to be awful. It was going to be dink and dunk. His long ball is significantly better than that. You know, some of those throws to Devontae Parker, even in that game, those Mm -hmm. were those were nice. And just Mm -hmm. let let Mac be Mac.
1: Yes. And and you know, I think that's the thing, right? Is is that he has that reputation. He was off target on a lot of deep balls last year. And and team well, teams took advantage of that. They they said, Look, we're gonna play cover one, we're gonna play man, we're gonna dare you to do it. And last year he couldn't do it. This year he's trying to do it more. And with that aggressive mindset, sometimes is gonna come more mistakes but it's also going to come with things like coming into coming into Thursday night. I mean, Tua is going to play so he's going to surpass him cuz Tua is number 2, but coming into Thursday night, Mac Jones led the league in deep ball yardage. That that's that's where we are right now. And it's like no one would have would have ever figured that through through 3 weeks. I do want to to close things out. Talk a little bit about the Patriots upcoming opponent this weekend, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, intimate knowledge of uh, the, the, of what, what it's like to uh, go up against, well, well, not not us, but you know to, to watch Aaron Rodgers multiple times a year do horrible things to other teams and specifically to your team. With that in mind, what can the Patriots expect to face with a, with a Packers team that, especially offensively just doesn't seem to have it completely together yet. But the defense is looking pretty nice. That's the thing.
0: This isn't your, you know, three, five years ago Packers. This isn't last year's Packers. When the Bears played the Packers last year a couple times, when in doubt, the person that killed you was Devontae Adams. You feel like you had the game in hand, and then, boom, Devontae figures out how to get a couple first downs. So you think the drive is over, conversion on third down to Devontae. You need a couple, you know, you're like, we got this. All he needs is one stop. There we go. They scored a touchdown to Devontae. That's not there anymore. And you saw that even in the Bears-Packers game that was there. Now, it wasn't like the Bears were like heavy, heavy in it. They were almost within one score near the end. Let's not pretend like it was like legitimately a game. But for someone, a team like the Packers that in theory are trying to still be in championship mode compared to a team like the Bears, which are very much in rebuild, that should have been a much bigger game. And the reason it wasn't is because, like you were saying, they don't really know who they are on offense. Aaron doesn't have that, I know exactly, hey, Devontae's going to be there, zip, I just know he's going to throw it to an area. He's got these rookies and Christian Watson, who can't even stay on the field right now, Drop yeah. that wide open pass in week one to start the season, and that's <laughs> not a good way to get on Aaron Rodgers' good side. Dobbs finally had a game where he like did pretty well, but you take those guys away, you're running with Randall Cobb, who's basically in a wheelchair out there. You've got Sammy Watkins, who puts up one good game a season, and He's on IR now, ain't it? Yeah, and now he's not even there. So it's like, what are you doing with that? It's really about the run game. If you can stop their run game, they have a two headed beast right in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and they just get yards. And actually, Aaron Jones is doing great catching passes out of the backfield, too. But that's what their offense is, and that a bunch of ridiculousness from Rogers just putting the ball in a perfect place. If you let Rogers be Rogers, if you can try to bottle up that run game to an extent, the Patriots have a chance.
1: Yeah, and you know what? And I think that obviously the odds are going to favor the Green Bay Packers in this one, especially if there's no Mac Jones. Brian Hoyer has had one start against the Green Bay Packers. I talked to him about it. He uh, d- is not fond of that memory because he broke his arm in that game. Uh, that that was that was not pleasant. Um, and so I don't know if I would be counting on Brian Ho- Hoyer revenge game. Like, oh my God, upset uh, you know the the Green Bay Packers. But when you look at the Patriots own side of things they are probably going to run they're probably going to look at that Bears game and say well Bears had like 180 yards on the ground so I think we can run the ball on these dudes that's what we're going to try to do and then I would think that at this point in time you might get a little bit more out of Brian Hoyer than you got out of Justin Fields in that game just because I think Brian Hoyer just I mean he's not you know a a great starting quarterback caliber player but he just generally knows what he's doing and he can complete a forward pass so I, I i think that that it could be more interesting than we think it is be mostly because the packers are still figuring out it out on offense i'm not going to sit up here and predict a patriots win but crazier things have happened well and i'm
0: a big and we've talked about him i'm a big Ramondre stevenson fan oh, i boy. i even last year like I got him in a ton of dynasty leagues and I was like, feed him, feed him. And I was like, why is he not getting the ball more? And he finally started this year to, you know, get a bit more of that offense going. So I'm a big fan of him. I think he could have a big day. Uh, like you said, Brian Hoyer, as long as he's in that game manager mode, just move the chains, right? Find, find some of these receivers, find Devonte Parker. Right. And I don't know. Do you think Jim Myers is going to play in this game? I know he's questionable.
1: The the way that it's been trending, and I mean, I, I would have to take a look and see how he's moving around. Because I felt like I could tell the way that he was moving around last week that he wasn't going to practice and he probably wasn't going to play. He's been participating in individual drills to to start off practice. He still looks a little bit slower than he probably would, but I think he's probably going to give it a go. That that's my guess.
0: If he can be out there and he can be a you know that middle receiver be able again, like get that fit 10 to 15 yard routes. Hoyer, Hoyer can find those. That's kind of his, his niche.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's like somebody uh, brought up, he might throw more slants than, than you're <laughs> used to seeing because they haven't really thrown a lot of those. It's been a lot of crossers, um, especially when you have teams that are going to, that are like, okay, we're going to have you do number one. You were going to be, you know, cover one. That's what we're going to do is man coverage. And then a lot of crosses in the middle of the field. I'd expect some of that as well. But we might see a little bit of a different Patriots offense with Brian Hoyer than what we saw with Mac Jones. Does that mean it'll be better? Don't know. Guess we're going to have to find out. Mason West, Dr. Mason West, physical therapist, my brother. Thank you so much for joining me. This was super fun. Probably going to have to do this again.
0: Oh, not probably. Definitely, yeah. This was this was a blast. It was. It's always good talking. To you. It, was, it was too long. Can't wait till the next combine because uh, that's too far away. We'll have to get together before that.
1: Well, I, I think we will. And you know what? The other thing is, well, we do got that uh, that game that's going to be happening about a month from now. Monday night football. I'm gonna like like um, people might be tired of hearing this. You know, people that that have you know that listen to the show and everything. Like, trust me, I am here to give you everything patriots related but man when that bears weeks comes along i'm gonna be having like i might have the whole chat on here like like we might have a whole like massive stream yard or like massive zoom and and just just make a whole mess out of it because i'm just gonna have all kind of fun with that
0: and hopefully by that point you know bears have found their way a little bit so it's actually like a game that we can talk about hopefully mac is back by that point Depending on what yeah. route he goes, it'll be it'll be an interesting game, that's for sure.
1: Will indeed. Till next time, Burst and Foxborough, out.